0: Well, good morning to Reading Family Church and everyone joining us online. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to be sharing with you today. Um, So yeah, if we haven't met, I'm Deline. I'm married to Murray, that handsome guy over there. Um, (laughs) We have two boys, Cameron and Scott. They're part of the youth. Um, And yeah, if you haven't been around for a while or you're brand new to RFC today, we've just kicked off a series in the Book of Jeremiah, and I'm going to be in a bit of Jeremiah chapter 17 this morning. So if you want to turn there, you're welcome, but. will be up on the screen as well so we are we are almost halfway through the year which is crazy right like how is it already June how did that happen and because life is linear there's a route that you've taken to get through this part of the year there's a route that I've taken to get to this point Um, every day For better or for worse, we kind of put one foot in front of the other and we make it through our days and weeks and months. And there's a route for us to take between now and December and beyond. There's a route for us to take as a community. There's a route for each of us to take personally, um, you know, in our finances, in our travels, in our careers, in our studies, in our parenting, our marriages, our singleness. Whatever the year looks likely to hold for you, your life will go somewhere this year. And beyond this year into the future. And of course, we, we talk like this all the time, right? We say christian things like, um, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm, I really feel like I'm on a journey with God. Or we ask people, are you walking with Jesus? We say to someone, um, you know, I really don't think this is the road God has for you. Um, and that's all fine, but what does it actually mean? Um, if you're here today, and certainly if you heard Andy's preach from last week, you probably believe that God has a plan for your life, a road for you to walk. Or maybe you don't believe that at all. Maybe you don't even believe in God, um, and, and you're just here today because someone's been inviting you, and you keep saying no, and it's kind of getting awkward. And so eventually you're like, okay, okay, let me just come, and maybe they will leave me alone. Um, so we totally get that, um, and you are so, so welcome in this place. But even if that's you, you probably, possibly, deep down, hope that there is a God, and that he does have a purpose for your life, that he has appointed you as ordinary as you are, as ordinary as I am, that he's appointed you the way he appointed Jeremiah, because otherwise, actually, what is the point? Like, either we're alone in the universe, which is terrifying, or he's with us, and there's hope. So assuming God is real, and assuming he's present and he has a plan for you, what route does he want you to take going forward. But before we talk about roots, R-O-U-T-E-S, I want to talk about roots, okay, because our roots determine our roots, all right, and this is legit sign language, I looked it up on YouTube where everything is true, right, for, for roots and roots, okay, so, so God's Word gives us roots, and then it gives us roots. God's Word says this is who you are, this is what grounds you, you're rooted, and now this is where to go. This is how to live. Roots. So, so we'll all go somewhere and we'll do something with our lives. We'll take a route, we'll fill up our time. We'll get from January to December, year after year, until we die. But if we're not properly rooted, we'll probably waste a lot of time getting lost and trying to reverse and taking different off-ramps. And, you know. and I believe the prophet Jeremiah can help us to figure out what the route ahead can and should look like. So Jeremiah chapter 17 is actually one of my all-time fave scriptures. We actually asked our youth pastor to preach from part of this passage at our wedding 18 and a half years ago. Um, The chapter starts with God talking about how his people's sin is engraved on their hearts with an iron chisel. So, you know, really just warm, fuzzy, feel-good wedding verses, you know. Um, so, So God wanted their hearts to be engraved with his word, but instead they've scratched onto their hard hearts a record of their sin. We'll read from Jeremiah 17 and verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness, in an uninhabited, salty land. Now, this next bit was preached at our wedding from verse 5. Um, sorry, from verse 7. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. The Hebrew word translated confidence means refuge, security, assurance. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat, or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. Then this next bit was not preached at our wedding. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things, (laughs) and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Can you imagine? Do you, Murray, Watson, Rayburn, take this deceitful, wicked heart? (laughs) Um, Hashtag awkward. So the, the gospel, according to... Pixar and Disney is follow your heart, you know, like make like Elsa and let it go, just follow your heart. Or like Eric and Ariel, uh, you know, kiss the girl, just, just follow your heart. I love all those movies. The gospel according to Jesus is, oh my goodness, please don't follow your heart, <laughs> right? It is desperately wicked and the most deceitful of all things. It will take you down the wrong route. It will take you down, period. Follow me, I'll change your heart verse 10, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So Jeremiah is talking about how, as humans, we tend to think of ourselves as pretty wicked and sick, as in cool, but actually our hearts are properly wicked and sick right? They should not be trusted. He's talking about green trees um, next to streams of water, and he's talking about dead trees in the desert. We learned last week that Jeremiah loves a prop. His props this week are trees, right? But how does all this help us to take the right route into the future? So I want to suggest three small words and show you some pictures that accompany them, and I think that they'll help us to understand how our roots determine our roots. And, And the three words are Wow, oops, and shh. Wow, oops, shh. Okay? If you could put up the wow picture, I know this projector's not great, but this is what God is calling us to be, trusting, hopeful, confident trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep, into the water, trees with perpetually green leaves, trees that never stop producing fruit. This wow tree is actually on the Thames path between Sonning and Ship Lake, so many of you will have walked past it. Um, The the branches actually hang down into the water, it's magnificent. Murray and I were were trusting, hopeful, confident, engaged trees who wanted our marriage to look like this, which is why we asked for these verses to be preached at our wedding. Um, we, We wanted an evergreen, fruitful, wow marriage. Now I'm pretty sure if you turned to the person next to you and said, "Um, do you want a wow life or an oops life? It's highly likely they'll say, oh gosh, I'd I'd love a wow life. I'd love to be planted on a riverbank. I'd love it if my leaves stayed green and I kept on producing fruit. I'd love to be able to say even in the disaster of floods and droughts, I'm fully alive. In Matthew Henry's commentary on this passage, you're at Those who make God their hope have enough in him to make up the want of all creature comforts. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Except none of you were born yesterday, um, so you're thinking, get real. That's a load of happily ever after Disney or Pixar right there. Life, real life, maybe your life looks more like this. If you could put up the oops picture. I've definitely looked like that in seasons of my life. You might also call this the, oh, dear, tree. If you're a South African like me, this would be the, oh, shame, tree. <laughs> nah, can I get an amen? Thank you, Abby. Um, we look at this tree, and we say, whoa, shame, poor tree. We feel sorry for this tree, because it's, like, so dead. Oops, oh, dear. But Jeremiah kind of says it like it is. Um, he says, yeah, you know, poor tree, whoops. <laughs> but the tree kind of did this to itself. If you could have an honest conversation with this tree, it it might go something like this. Gosh, tree, I'm sorry you're so dead. Like, what happened? And the tree might say, well, the thing is, um, I I put my trust in mere humans. I relied on human strength and turned my heart away from the Lord. So I'm like a stunted shrub in the desert with no hope for the future, and I live in a barren wilderness. Because, you see, sometimes our own sin... Puts us in the wilderness. Not always. Sometimes someone else's sin puts us there. Unfairly, we reap what others have sown. Sometimes, just because sin broke the world, life just isn't ideal. And and perhaps your marriage is more of a stunted shrub in the desert than a tree planted on the riverbank. Maybe your finances have, have dried up completely and you are desperate. Maybe you've got thousands of Facebook friends and fans on TikTok, but you scroll through that thing, and it's like a barren wilderness. You've never been lonelier. Maybe you're not sure how you're going to get your kids to, to trudge through another season in the deserts of ASD or anxiety or digital addiction or dyslexia or fill in the blank. Maybe you're just you're so tired of being single, you're so tired of it, you're going, really, God, another summer stretching ahead of me on my own. You know, and I'm not asking for a cloud burst over the desert. It doesn't have to be raining men. Hallelujah. I'm just asking for one man, just a drop from heaven. A drop, mind you, not a a drip. (laughs) It's also possible that you're less of a dead tree in the wilderness and, and more of an oops tree that looks like this. If you could put up the other oops picture. Where we lived in South Africa, this was a familiar sight. Um, after pretty much every storm, you'd find one of these guys lying across somebody's road. This is the common hookthorn, uh, it, it grows everywhere. It's beautiful, it grows really fast, but its roots are about as deep as a teaspoon. So as soon as there's a bit of wind, oops, it falls over. So here's a thought. I wonder if perhaps some of us are trees who don't put their hope and confidence in human strength so much as in human activities, so let me explain it like this. Uh, In Luke 8, we read about a woman who's been menstruating continually for 12 years, she's tried everything, no cure, but Jesus is in town, and she thinks, what if? What if there's a chance? What if this guy everyone's talking about? So she risks the hustle and the jostle of the crowd, she risks the shame, because of course, her medical condition has made her a social outcast in her culture. She comes up behind Jesus, touches the fringe of his robe. The bleeding stops immediately. In verse 45, Jesus asks, who touched me? Uh, Everyone denies it, and Peter's like, "Um, master, this whole crowd was pressing up against you. And Jesus says this in Luke 8, verse 46, someone deliberately touched me. Someone deliberately touched me. In this up-close and personal crowd, everyone is right up inside Jesus' personal space bubble. He says, yeah, but one person deliberately touched me. Everyone else was just kind of part of the vibe. And I wonder if we're constantly not in danger of, of fooling ourselves because there's this subtle, insidious danger of us convincing ourselves that we're hanging out with Jesus when really we're just... We're just part of the vibe. We think we're putting our hope and confidence in God when really our hope and confidence is just in the things of God which, which boil down to little more than, than human activity. So like we, you know, we go to Life Group, which is so good. Please go to Life Group. And we sign up for a serving team, which is amazing. Please do that. Um, We camp together in the New Forest and we play volleyball and we listen to Andy preach and we feel very spiritual because we are suffering for Jesus, queuing for showers, sleeping on the ground. I mean, who does that? Um, We listen to the podcasts of Christian influences on our commutes and we live a a churchy life and we love worship because it's like so emotional. Maybe we, we press up against Jesus and we hang out with all these other friends in the crowd and it's quite exciting, but we don't deliberately reach out to just him. So and so our roots are shallow, oops, and then life happens. And even if we identify as a tree with really deep, strong roots, well, we're not that tree and so we fall over, oops. And maybe we we dig our tiny, baby, shallow roots back into the ground and and we're okay for a bit, and we carry on being part of the vibe until the next strong wind. And it's no wonder then that that we start losing hope because is Christianity really the answer to all of life because it doesn't seem to be working out for us long term? But you know what, friends? Christianity is not the gospel according to Disney or Pixar. Thank God, thank God this is not a fairy tale. There's one very real person who actually exists and he actually walked the earth like we do and he wasn't an oops tree. His leaves stayed green and he continuously produced fruit. He invites us to follow him. And if we look at how he lived, then we start understanding what it means, what it might look like for us to make the Lord our hope and confidence. If you've really never been to church, I'm talking about Jesus whose name we're told in Matthew 12 will be the hope of all the world. The same Jesus who said this, John 15 verse four, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. If we want green leaves and lots of fruit, we have to remain in him. We have to let our roots grow down into Christ like Paul tells the Colossians. I mean, you can... You can take in the Gospels at a glance and see that Jesus knew his Father's word. In the face of doubts, distractions, accusations, he quoted Scripture. He was rooted in Scripture. And we read that he frequently, often, regularly, drew away alone to pray. And he intentionally taught others to do the same. Have a look at Matthew 6, verse 6. Jesus says, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, And pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. So Jesus was mobbed by crowds, but he would also stop everything for one person. He had strong, close friendships, he also engaged with total strangers. He was our perfect example of how to do healthy community. And he was passionate about making his followers understand that we won't do community well if we don't do solitude well. Let me say that again we won't do community well if we don't do solitude well he had deep roots okay because he would consistently deliberately alone and in secret seek first his father and because of that he knew the route he had to take he took his message on the road set his face like flint and went on a preaching tour that ended in jerusalem and death for us I wonder if you could put up the the shh picture. You'll understand in a minute why it's the the shh picture. I didn't take this photo, because it was taken in 1961, and I was busy being unborn at the time. Um, It's of the famous tree of Tenere in Niger. The Tenere Desert is part of the Sahara, and this tree was seeded at a time when the Sahara was marginally more hospitable than it is today. Uh, The tree was around 300 years old, when in 1973, sadly, a Libyan truck driver got drunk and drove into it, killing it. But for centuries, it was considered the most isolated tree in the world. It was even marked on maps because there was not one other tree around it for 250 miles. So that's like driving from here to the Lake District and not seeing one other tree, not one, and then doing that same distance in in every direction. It was an exceptional tree, a beacon, of shade and hope. Travelers used it to get their bearings. It also posed a lot of questions, because like, how? How was it continuing to survive? How had it survived for so long in the blistering sands of the Sahara? So in 1938, some guys dug a well shaft near that tree. They dug and dug and dug and sweated and dug through hot sand. 36 meters down, they hit the answer. Groundwater and the trees taproot. Now, you'll remember from primary school that the tap roots grow uh, vertically, they're really strong, they grow down towards the water table, which is hidden. They grow quietly, they grow in secret. They grow deep. Trees with a tap root grow deeper below the ground often than they grow tall above the ground. Um, there's far more to them than meets the eye. This tree of Ternaray wasn't a, a very big tree at all. It was really nothing to look at, kind of like Jesus. Look at how Isaiah prophesies about Jesus in Isaiah 53, verse 2. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. And yet, he was unshakable, and his name would be the hope of all the world. The commander of the Allied military mission, Michel Le Sûlt, he saw the Tree of Tenerife in 1939, and, and he wrote this, One must see the tree to believe its existence. What is its secret? How can it still be living in spite of the multitudes of camels which trample at its sides? How does not a lost camel eat its leaves and thorns? Why don't the new Ms. tureg leading the salt caravans cut its branches to make fires to brew their tea? The acacia has become a living lighthouse." Everyone who saw the tree went, wow, because see, actually the, the tree was a wow tree. The tree above the ground was much littler than its very deep, very strong roots. No one could see its roots because they were growing in secret. And we dare not underestimate roots that grow deep and in secret. The tree of Tenere understood Jeremiah 17. It didn't fear the heat or the centuries of drought. Its leaves stayed green because it tenaciously dug deep to the source of life. Wow. It's a picture of the life Jesus lived and it's a picture of the life he calls us to. Because he never promised that there wouldn't be heat and drought. But he promised never to forsake us in the heat and the drought. He's like the base flow that keeps perennial rivers running even when there's no rain. And he can always be found if we dig deep. So to make sure we take all the right roots into the future, we need to dig deep, alone and in secret behind closed doors with your heavenly Father, deliberately push your roots deep into his living water. Again, if we don't do solitude well, We won't do community well. The people God has given us to love, they don't want to drink muddy water from a puddle, right? So quietly, alone, we need to go deep where the water is uncontaminated so we can offer the people we encounter something cool and clear. When I think of this, I'm like, yes, I I really want to live like this. I really want to be this. I want to go deep with God so that I can Be refreshing to others. I want to put down strong roots so that my branches spread far and wide and I can give shade to weary wanderers. But this is so hard for me uh, because I'm impatient. Uh, I want instant results, I expect instant results. Do you remember in the olden days when we had to wait a whole week before we watched the next episode of something? I mean, can you believe it? I mean, now we don't even have to touch the remote, and the next episode just loads in five, four, three, two, and then it's like, oh, look, we're on season five. How did that, how did that happen? Um, so if it's not Disney or Pixar, we apply Netflix theology to God, the theology of instant gratification. So you know, we say like, "Well, God, I, I had a quiet time today. I clicked on three different reading plans in U version, and like, hello, do you even love me? Because why has this next episode of my life not begun to play out? I'd really like to watch it now, and and can we just get to season five? You know, so we're part of an impatient culture. We're loath to form the habit of regular time in prayer and God's word because we don't see a difference quickly enough. We don't feel a difference." But it's like anything worthwhile in life, right? Like you don't put away a little bit of extra money this month and then go, oh yeah, now we've got enough for retirement. No, it's, it's a lifetime of small decisions to save and stay out of debt that, that add up to enough. You don't go to gym three times and go, now my body is transformed. No, it's, it's a lifestyle of small decisions to eat well and move more. And, and none of us has any of this stuff figured out, and we're all just, you know, on a journey. But, but we understand that this is how life works, right? And it's the same spiritually. Nothing beats consistency. Small investments of time over time. The astonishing cumulative power of patience and daily obedience that will change our lives and enough changed lives build up to the critical mass that changes community. And changed communities change the world. So let's encourage each other to shh. God sees what's done in secret, and he rewards. Sink your roots deep. Big trees grow slowly, they grow quietly. No one sees their roots, but they give shade for generations. And really, all it is is this, right? Every day, the king invites me to meet with him. He will be waiting. Will I show up? Even just for five minutes? Um, They call me crazy, but I would love to meet Kate Middleton. I know everybody has vastly different opinions on the royals, but I just really like her. She seems to really like her husband. She seems to really enjoy her children. Um, and I know that everything we see in the media is, is carefully curated, I get that. Um, I would still love to sit down with her for 10 minutes and ask all my questions. and. Um, Dean and Terry Dawes got to um, see William and Kate because they were invited to the garden party at Buckingham Palace um, after the coronation. Um, I didn't get invited because apparently I didn't do anything special enough for the king and Camilla like adjust and fit their crowns, Dean Dawes, true story. Um, Dean will never tell you that, that's why I'm telling you, because he just quietly works alone and in secret um, and busies himself serving the king. But listen, Dean and Terry are normally busy on a Tuesday. Um, They have jobs and lives. They canceled their plans on that particular Tuesday because, hello, tea at Buckingham Palace, and they cleaned up good. I saw the pictures. (laughs) So if Kate DM'd me on Instagram and said, hey, random resident, let's meet for lunch, I would cancel whatever I had on that day. I would probably buy a new dress, and I would show up. Every day, the King of Kings calls you by name. He says, You know, I'm actually available 24/7, and forget lunch at the Ritz. I have a feast prepared for you. I'd love you to get into the habit of prioritizing time with me, because you know, I'm, I'm beyond figuring out. I will blow your mind, but as much as your brain can handle, I will allow you to get to know me. You can ask all the questions you like. I will never waste your time. I promise to give you wisdom if you ask for it, and and you don't need new threads. Come as you are. Come in your pajamas. Guys, the king wants to meet with us. He's inviting us to meet with him. Will we show up five minutes, 10 minutes? Will we, shh, for long enough to go, wow. I know when I've fallen out of the habit of spending time with God, it always feels awkward to start again. Um, or maybe you don't know God very well at all and you just you don't know what to say, you don't know what to read in the Bible. Um, just, just start, just say something to him, read something of what he's written, he's a shepherd, he will guide you. I also highly recommend um, being part of an RFC3, Uh, so good for encouragement and accountability, and it will lend direction to to what you read in the word for a a particular season. I also just really felt as I was preparing to, um, oh, and I'm seeing some of you, so I'm going to get emotional, but I just wanted to say to those of you, in a season of, of babies and assorted small humans, um, you don't even get to go to the loo on your own. Um, never mind spend time with Jesus. And, and eight hours of sleep is, is a distant memory. You're lucky to get eight minutes some nights. Um, please don't let any of this make you feel condemned or like, oh, I'm such a loser of a Christian because I'm not having proper quiet times. Listen to what Isaiah says of God in Isaiah 40 verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. He gently leads those that have young. He's leading you gently. Just relax into him. Maybe spending time with the king for you in this season is, you know, every time you're warming another bottle in the microwave, you just take those few seconds to take a few deep breaths and just talk to Jesus. Talk to him about your exhaustion your fear, your frustration. Talk to him about how cute your kids are and how you're so glad he gave them to you and no one else. Some days you need to talk to him about how you wish he'd given them to someone else. <laughs> um, but let me wrap up with this. Between now and eternity, we're going to walk some tough roads, right? Because we live in a fallen world where crazy, terrible things happen. Whether it's heat at work Or relational or financial drought sin entered the world bent on turning us into stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. The world's a mess. Um, Andy spoke last week about endings and beginnings and we'll see that throughout Jeremiah and fascinatingly it was a tree that got us into this mess and it's a tree that will get us out. Back in Eden you know the story Adam and Eve are sidetracked by the enemy and they decide to trust in mere humans in each other Instead of making God their hope and confidence, instead of taking him at his word, they eat from the wrong tree. The rest is literally history. Fast forward some millennia, God causes a particular tree to grow in the ancient Near East, and and he has a very particular destiny for that tree. Someone chops it down, hacks it up, hammers it into the shape of a cross, and it gets carried up a hill and planted back into the ground, dead, and God hangs from it. He grafts His own body, His ordinary, vulnerable, killable body, onto that dead tree, so that we can be grafted into the living tree of His kingdom. And because of that historical fact, friends, there's hope. There really is hope. Because we've been made alive, and we get to plant our lives in living water that runs deep, it really is possible for our leaves to stay green and for us to continually produce fruit. So maybe you're looking around and, and on the surface of things, everything looks dry and dead and you cannot escape the heat. Dig deep. Maybe we can't make out the route right now, the road ahead, but if our roots are deep and strong, we'll be able to figure out the next step and then the next step. If we make time to shh, we'll discover the wow. Thank you.